This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu. to another edition of uh, BNE Reporter with me, Ben Aris, the uh, editor-in-chief of BNE and Telenews. Um, there's been protests in high drama in Georgia over the last three days. I'm joined today by Mac uh, Tubbury, who's our correspondent in Tbilisi. Hi, Mac. And we're just going to talk over what's been going on. Um, so the whole thing turns that the government uh, passed, I think it was on Tuesday, um, in the first reading, uh, foreign agents law, which is the same law that Putin put in place a decade ago. And he's used it in order to suppress the opposition, um, to get rid of the NGOs that were promoting democracy. He sees it as a fifth column, a way of uh, countries, America, of sneaking in, quote unquote, their version of democracy into Russia. And as such, he sees it as internal um, interference in domestic Russian politics. And the same charge has been leveled here against Georgian Dream, which is the ruling party in uh, Tbilisi, and that um, some 85% of the population have like adopted or pro the pro-European transatlantic path that Saakashvili um, took Georgia in following the Rose Revolution, and they see that uh, Georgia Dream acting as a proxy for the Kremlin here. Um, but, Mike, you were saying in a column that it's a bit more complicated. Let, before we dive into that, let's just catch up on the latest news, because um, the government said yesterday morning they're going to withdraw the law, and there's a session booked for this lunchtime, I think, where they're actually going to do that. Yet, last night... Is. There's still protests going on, isn't there? There's still people on the street. What, what's what, what's happening there? Is this like Maidan, or is it just uh, the tail end of celebration? So yeah, the uh, Georgian Parliament did withdraw officially um, the foreign agents bill. So that basically puts, uh, at least for now, a definitive end to um, to that bill. There are people, um, from what I understand, in front of Parliament right now that are protesting more in celebration rather than opposition, because they have shown that they're able to put pressure on the government um, so that the government would withdraw this um, bill. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a success story for um, Georgian civil society in that regard. Um, they showed that they could uh, mobilize society here in Georgia. Um, it, to me, at first seemed that this foreign agents bill might not um, lead to such uh, a response as, as we saw the past week with these mass protests. I, I was imagining at first that we'd see protests, but not at this scale. And certainly I wasn't expecting there to be clashes uh, between protesters and the police. How, but, big, um, how big did the protests get? Because, I mean, the video footage I saw, I mean, and there's been like repeated demonstrations in front of Parliament over various issues, but it looked large. I mean, it was several thousand people. You were out there. How many people were there? It, it was definitely in the several thousands um, of people. Um, the parliament is situated on the main Rustavelli Avenue in Tbilisi, um, and the entire main avenue, as well as the front plaza of parliament, were completely packed with people. Um, I, I don't know what I would, like what exact number I'd give you because I, I'm not able to to read crowd yeah. numbers, but it was definitely several thousand people. Um, and to what extent? Massive- 
Because I remember you know, uh, the start of Maidan, and that started out on a specific issue, uh, which was the Vilnius summit and the EU deal. Yanukovych was going to do Europe and ended up doing Russia. Um, but I saw a lot of EU flags there. And again, this was a very specific issue, the bill, that they, people didn't like. But it was also had a very strong pro-Euro element to it. And of course, in, uh, in Ukraine, what started out as a specific issue transformed into a general like we want to move to Europe we're fed up with the corruption in the government and you could argue that uh, Georgia is pregnant with the same issues there's a potential Maidan here this this transmutes into a more general like we're dissatisfied with the government we want to go more towards Europe because the government itself has actually been or the Georgia dream specifically has sat on the fence with Russia the rhetoric is like we support Ukraine, but in practice, nothing's happened. They, they really, but where do they stand on that? How much of this is a European, pro-European demonstration? It, it definitely is a pro-European demonstration. And I think what made that point specifically um, clear was the um, criticism from, from, from Europe, from the United States against this foreign agents bill um, European officials were basically saying that um, if this foreign agents bill was to be passed by the Georgian parliament, then that could jeopardize um, Georgia's path to becoming a member um, of the EU. Of course, they'd first need to become a candidate, um, and they're still waiting to become a candidate because they were snubbed of uh, candidate status last June. And so Georgia is in this um, still in this process of trying to get candidate um, status. And when Georgian Dream announced that it would back this foreign agents bill, that basically became quite clear that this was either um, you continue along the European accession route and you don't pass this bill or you pass this bill into law and you essentially derail um accession now no one I, no one actually said that though did they i mean it's just well, nobody said that in explicit terms but the signaling from from european officials the signaling from american officials too of course the united states is i mean not involved in this process directly but um the the rhetoric all the same did have an effect um and so uh, yeah explicitly that was not being said but that was understood so As to what, what extent does Georgian Dream buy into the whole European project? Because, I mean, the as you say, last June, <clears throat> Moldova and uh, Ukraine were both offered candidate status. I mean, they are candidate status now. And very glaringly, the, Georgia was not included in that offer. So it's already backtracked. People in the EU are already unhappy with where it's gone since Saakashvili left. And Ivanishvili, the oligarch, is basically seems to have captured the whole political process. Is Georgia Dream actually committed to this European thing or not? Um, it's it's difficult to say. I, I think that Georgian Dream is sort of the, the options for Georgian Dream are limited here. Um, constitutionally, Georgia has to aspire to become a member of the EU. It's written in its constitution. So if Georgian Dream was to backtrack on that, um, 
even well it's it's hard to say if it were to backtrack on that officially then it would be violating the constitution mm. um so it, it has to at the very least give this uh image that they're trying to bring the country closer and closer to the european union and i think in some ways they are trying to do that um i think in a sense, they're trying to emulate what Hungary do, uh, does, um, where it can, on the one hand, be a part of the European community, but on the other hand, do things that um, please Russia. That doesn't mean Hungary is pro-Russia. Hungary is pro-Hungary. Viktor Orban um, is you know, pro-staying uh, in power. Um, and I think that is what we're seeing maybe here in Georgia is it's not that the the political establishment, it's not that Georgia Dream is pro-Russia, it's, it's pro-Georgia Dream, it's pro-staying in power, it's pro-Georgia, um, but there's also the just this longer, um, you know, historical process in the past three decades of, of Georgia trying to become a member of the EU. So I, I don't think, um, it, it, it's complicated because the past year, the the Georgian Dream has been doing things that do seem to jar with the aspirations to join the EU, and it is looking, uh, by many accounts, to consolidate its power, um, which would sort of conflict with this this idea of becoming a part of liberal, you know. Western Europe. So it's more it's more subtle. I mean, tellingly, um, Orban was on the wire this morning saying that in the future, some point down the road, that he might consider championships with Russia, sanctioning Russia. And Vucic uh, in uh, Serbia said the same thing. He said he's not ruling out future sanctions. And what you're suggesting then is it's a bit more, well, you could put it another way, is the part of the European project is the values thing. And I've been arguing for a while that, you know, Hungary and Poland too, they want the money and the commerce and the single market and the visa free, but they don't really buy into the values bit. And you, you're suggesting the same sort of thing is going on in, in Georgia. I mean, we had that gay pride and we have a fight every year. And this year was, or last year was particularly nasty, wasn't it? Because the, the gay pride office got attacked on the day before which is not European values. And people are very passionate about their old Orthodox conservative family values values. Correct. Yeah, I think um, for, 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 for many Georgians, uh, as, as you say, it's maybe not uh, an issue of, of, of values. It's an issue of becoming um, you know, a part of the European Union and therefore improving their own sort of socioeconomic standing. It's it's um, it is about um, you know improving the quality of life, having a higher standard of living. Um, that I think is for many Georgians the main appeal, not um, necessarily LGBT rights, not these sort of higher flown um, liberal democratic ideals that are you know, expressed um, among members of the EU, but maybe not so much in Hungary, of course, and. Um, same in, in Poland. So what is um, Ivanishvili's role in all of this? I mean, he made his money in banking and mining in Russia, and he's a pragmatist. I mean, the amount, his wealth is equivalent to the entire FDI annual inflow. And 
but he's also nominally pulled back, I think last year from politics, but everyone, I mean, the opposition people I saw interviewed in front of parliament yesterday said, look, this is one man and this is all Ivanishvili and he wants to cozy up to the Kremlin, but I don't, is that true? Is it he behind this? Is he pro Kremlin? Um, so I, I would say it's difficult to say what exactly, what, what role he's playing um, here in Georgian politics. I mean, it, obviously, he being the wealthiest um, Georgian citizen, Georgian dream being his political project, um, he obviously is playing some role, but the specifics of what he's doing are, are unclear. Um, you know, you can you can speculate what he's thinking, what his motivations are, what his ambitions are for um, Georgia's political future, which, I mean, he obviously is, has um, has a role in all of that. Um, I don't know if he's pro-Kremlin per se. Um, again, as I was saying before, I don't think this is like a pro-Russia, pro um I don't think you can simplify this to a pro-Russia, pro-Kremlin uh, on the one hand and a pro-European, uh, pro-Western dichotomy on the other hand. I, I don't think it's as simple as that. Um, and I, I can't imagine that he's the kind of person who would simply want to be a tool used by the Kremlin. I mean, he, he himself is, I mean, he's his own, he's his own man. Um, he's unlikely the kind of person that you you could just describe as the lackey of the Kremlin. He, he has agency. So, let me put it to you then. My working hypothesis is that it's pragmatic. I, I did an op-ed about the geography of diplomacy and <clears throat> the trouble is, well, Ukraine's right next to the EU, so it's an obvious candidate, and Moldova too. Um, the trouble with um, Georgia is too far away. And although they aspire to it, that Russia remains because of its proximity, because of the long cultural and trade ties it has, um, it, it pragmatically remains an important economic and security player in the region. And I was in Tbilisi, I interviewed the head of the Georgian Wine Association shortly after the war. And he said, look, we're trying to find new markets for our wine. And, you know, we're sending very little to Russia. But we just did a story recently saying that Georgia is now more economically dependent on Russia than it has been at any time since independence. And that's simply because of the trade um, that, you know, the market's there. It's easy to sell to the products like Georgian wine do well there because everyone knows it does badly in Sainsbury's in London because nobody knows it. And if I was a Jordan leader, I mean, much as you want to distance yourself from Russia, those economic uh, considerations. That, that just you have to make money because Georgia at the end of the day remains a small and poor country. Do you think that's driving it? Is that that's where the nuance comes in, the balance, like we need to be nice to the Kremlin, but not so nice because we still want to be good friends with the EU? I I think that's part of it, definitely. Um, trade with Russia is easier than with many other countries, as you know, just because of the geographic proximity of Georgia to Russia. Um, it's also easier in terms of just language. Uh, Georgian uh, traders, they, they speak Russian, and it's uh, easier to, to handle all of the bureaucratic details of, of moving goods to and from um, Russia and from Georgia. Um, so, yeah, there, there's the, the element of convenience. Um, I don't know the specific, you know, the specific details in terms of how uh, practically difficult it would be to wean off of um 
Russian trade, but um, who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's it's easier than the Georgian government uh, would suggest, but uh, not as easy as the opposition would maybe suggest themselves. Because the, mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, just based on what opposition figures say here in Georgia, it seems like you can just flip a switch, right? You can just turn off Russian. Uh, you can just turn off trade with Russia, and that's obviously not true. But who knows? Maybe it's also not as difficult um, right. to gradually ease off of, of doing trade with Russia. So as a last question, um, what happens next? I mean, the, you're expecting the demonstrations to die away today after they repeal the first reading of this law and then everyone goes back to normal? Or has there been a more significant change? Um, so I, I, I can't say what is going to happen just because protests tend to have a sort of, they tend to pop up unexpectedly, like these protests, the, the past um, past week. Uh, I'm not sure people were expecting them to be as large and as uh, effective as they turned out to be. Um, I would imagine that mass protests, like we've seen the past couple of, of days, those will probably die down because the, the goal of the protesters was achieved. They uh, were able to pressure the government to withdraw the foreign agents bill. But there's definitely discontent. There's um, dissatisfaction among Georgians mm -hmm. with the course of the country's accession to the EU. We'll find out if uh, Georgia is able to meet all of the reform suggestions that the EU gave it back uh, in June when it said that it couldn't grant Georgia candidate status quite yet. So it needed to, to, um, to implement additional reforms. So we'll find out if Georgia is able to do that later this year. Um, that's so when they the, haven't made a, a start on that because the Ukrainians are boasting they've done five out of six of the things that they were tasked to do. The, the Georgia dream hasn't actually made a pragmatic start on that. Well, Georgia dream is going after the, the lowest hanging fruit. So it's going after the easiest stuff that can just be fixed with, you know, technocratic uh adjustments and it seems they're putting off the more difficult uh reform suggestions which uh are um depolarization in georgia um political depolarization I'm not quite sure how they'll achieve that i mean that's a massive uh, task that is ahead of them because there's um, elections next year isn't there there are there are so depolarization you know that would be depolarization yeah. And also de-oligarchization is another reform, and that basically means that um, Ivanovshvili will have to somehow um, disassociate himself from um, politics, because the, the problem there is that he has too much influence over uh, the, the political system in, in Georgia. So, I mean, these are, these are difficult reforms. These are not something... Mm -hmm. That can be achieved so easily. It's it's not just a matter of you know uh, wishing um, Georgia to 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 become more uh, deep uh, or to become less polarized. I mean that takes a lot of uh, a lot of willpower. Um, and okay. also the European Union needs to be more more clear in what it means by some of these reforms. That was one of the criticisms of, of many people um, towards these reforms is they're not always clear in how the EU envisions Georgia fulfilling them and meeting these uh, reform requirements. So uh, it, it's it's I mean, it's a it's a two way street.
uh, Georgia has to play its part and the EU also has to maybe um, understand the specific context of Georgia. Set more right, realistic we've um, we've basically run out of time. I want to thank you very much for um, for taking part and giving us uh, useful insights uh, in what's going on. And for those of you out there, um, you can read Max stuff and our own coverage of uh, everything that's happening in Georgia and the, the wider patch uh, at bne.eu. Uh, I recommend you go to um, bne.eu slash welcome there. You can find various goodies we have on offer, including you should sign up to Editor's Picks. It's a daily digest of our best stories. Um, all of this stuff that's been going on in Georgia has been reported in there, free to read, comes once a day. And also, um, if you're interested in getting more into the weeds, if you're in the game, then you should sign up for a trial to Intellinews Pro, which is our uh, premium service where we go into the deep details and, and look at um, things like the, the macro of this uh, business, how that's affected, and so on. So once again, until the next one of these, um, it's bye for me, Ben Harris. Have a good day.